This is Jeffrey Kerr. I'm back with another installment of the News of the Month series on the Kerr Reviews podcast. This is where I talk about a few different entertainment news stories that feel important and or interesting to me. This is an interesting episode because the stories I chose to talk about this month are mostly news about the musical theater world. It wasn't something I intended, but they're all still too important for me to ignore them. Each of the stories you'll be hearing me talk about have been divided into four separate categories. The first set of news stories is about the Tony Awards. Back in April, I reported the news that the 74th annual Tony Awards, which were originally scheduled for June 7th, had been postponed indefinitely due to the coronavirus pandemic. Most recently, it was announced that the Tonys will be taking place this fall, albeit digitally. Additional information, including a date and platform for the award ceremony, will be announced soon. I am wondering how eligibility is going to work. Are they going to do something similar to what the Outer Critics Circle Awards did this year by having a virtual award ceremony, where rather than picking individual winners, they would have a list of multiple honorees in all categories? I actually think that would be the best idea possible, but no matter what happens, this Tony Awards is always going to have an asterisk next to it. Though what I'm most interested in is the race for best revival of a play because I happen to know one of the producers of the most recent Broadway production of Harold Pinter's Betrayal, which starred Tom Hiddleston, Zowie Ashton, and Charlie Cox. His name is Tony Marion. He's from the same area of origins as me, Northeast Ohio. I came across him through mutual friends, and he was also a part of the same high school graduating class as one of my cousins. So I'm of course rooting for him to win a Tony Award. You can learn more about Tony Marion through an interview I did with him back in 2017, which you can find a link to in the episode notes. This next set of news stories are about a couple of stage-to-screen musical adaptations from producer Mark Platt. The first of which was actually announced at the end of July, but I had already recorded my August edition of News of the Month. Plus, it was focused on the Emmys, so it could not fit into that, but better late than ever. Disney Plus is developing a live-action film adaptation of the beloved 1990 Lynn Aarons and Stephen Flaherty stage musical Once on this Island. Playwrights Jocelyn Bio is set to pen the screenplay with Wanori Caillou, I hope I pronounced that right, on board to direct. Not to mention that Mark Platt, who has produced musicals for the stage such as Wicked and for the big screen such as La La Land, will be the producer for this project. I've never seen the stage musical, but I am very familiar with the score, though it's really cool to see more of the stage works of Lynn Aarons and Stephen Flaherty get the cinematic treatment. Like, I'd still love to see their ragtime musical adapted for the big screen one day. While no other details have been announced yet, is still something to keep an eye out for. The what Mark Platt is currently getting ready to do right now is, of course, a film adaptation of the hit Broadway musical Dear Evan Hansen for Universal Pictures. In fact, I was able to get some inside scoop via Patreon. Production is currently planning to start this month and will apparently be shooting in Los Angeles, California, as well as Atlanta, Georgia. If that is the case, then it looks like the filmmakers might have found a way to move forward with principal photography while also taking some safety protocols into account. 
Though the real news regarding Dear Evan Hansen is that additional casting has been announced for the project since my last coverage of it when Caitlin Deaver was announced to play Zoe Murphy. Amanda Stenberg, who's best known for her appearances on the big screen in 2012's The Hunger Games and 2018's The Hate You Give, as well as the recent Netflix miniseries The Eddie, is set to play Alana Beck. The role has reportedly been expanded from the stage version, with Stenberg singing a new original song written specifically for the film in collaboration with the original songwriting team of Benj Pasek and Justin Paul. Nick Dodani, who is best known for his recurring role on the Netflix series Atypical, will play Jared Kleinman. Colton Ryan, who understudied three different roles in the original Broadway cast, will play Connor Murphy. Amy Adams is set to play his mother, Cynthia Murphy. Danny Pino, who is best known for his television roles in Cold Case, On Order, Special Victims Unit, and Mines MC, will play her husband, Larry. According to reports, that character is going to be reconceived from the stage musical by having him be the stepfather to both Connor and Zoe, as opposed to their biological father. While no specific reasons were given as to why the filmmakers are doing that, I actually have a few theories. They wouldn't have to worry so much about making sure the actor playing Larry resembles Caitlin Deaver and or Colton Ryan. This would add a little more diversity into the story, as the stage musical only has one principal character who's required to be played by a person of color, which would be Alana. Although every other character doesn't necessarily need to be white. So now the principal cast of the movie has three people of color. Amanda Stenberg, who's black, Nick Dodani, who's Indian, and Danny Pino, who's Hispanic. I also think this could potentially create a shared bond between Evan and Zoe, as they'd both be living with their biological mothers, but not their biological fathers. Not to mention that it was just announced, not in the month of August, in the month of September, that Oscar winner Julianne Moore will play Heidi Hansen, which is the role that won Rachel Bay Jones a Tony Award for the Broadway production. For those wondering whether or not Julianne Moore can sing, you can find a link in the episode notes. This next news story is about a different kind of stage-to-screen musical. It's not a literal translation adaptation, more of a filming of a stage musical. Diana, which was one of the musicals that was in the middle of previews when the Broadway shutdown began, is going to be filmed at the Long Acre Theatre without an audience and released on Netflix before resuming performances next year. This would mark the second time that a Broadway musical, written by Joe DiPietro and David Bryan, directed by Christopher Ashley, was filmed with the intention of being released to the general public. The first being their 2010-20 winning musical Memphis, which is available on DVD, Blu-ray, and streaming on Broadway HD. The producers of Diana have said that they've been working with the Actors' Equity Association on all health and safety protocols that will allow for the cast and crew to rehearse, record an album, and mount a performance for the taping. When I interviewed costume designer William Ivy Long back in March before the pandemic began, Diana had just started previews, so we talked quite a bit about that. I did not include that portion of the interview on the version that's available to the public because the Broadway shutdown had just begun, and therefore the previously scheduled opening of Diana was delayed indefinitely. Though I am about to share with you the portion about William's work on that show right now. At the time of this recording, your latest project, Diana, is currently in previews on Broadway. How are things going with that? Oh my goodness, it's wonderful. I went after this production when I read about it because I 
large collection of royal memorabilia around her. I know it sounds pathetic, but uh, it's now called being a fanboy, so at least there's a title. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So I went after this production, and Christopher Ashley, the director, hired me. We did it last year out of town, an out-of-town tryout in La Jolla, California, and uh, much work was done on it. Joe DiPietro wrote the book, and David Bryan wrote uh, the music, composed the music, and the, both of them wrote the lyrics. Uh, we have an almost brand new Act One. Last night was our fourth, well, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. This, our, well, we missed one because we had to cancel a show. So it's our fourth uh, preview, and we're selling out. People are standing and cheering. I cry during Act One and Act Two because it's very emotion, very emotional story. It's really a love letter, Valentine, but warts and all. Princess Diana is a very human person. So I love working on it. I hope we get it right. There's no guarantee of anything on Broadway. I'm going to go to the matinee today and see see how we do. What's usually left for the costume designer to do before a production officially opens? Oh, my goodness. Well, that's lovely that you think I've got all my work done. <laughs> well, not necessarily. Uh, I don't. And last night I sat with some fellow North Carolinians in the fifth row center, they had an extra seat. Usually I'm at the house seats in the back. But I noticed quite a few things that I need to work on. I was very close. I'm usually not that close because those are expensive seats. They don't waste them on us. So I now have to refit several of Diana's looks on her. Also, she's been wearing them now. And, you know, when you wear clothes, you warm them up and they shift in shape and uh, move. So I've got quite a bit more to do. Plus, I haven't finished all my understudies yet. So mm-hmm. hopefully all of the above will be done by the time the show freezes, which is usually a week before we open, and we open March the 31st. So whatever a week before that is. <laughs> well, yeah, especially since that's the time critics come to see it. Correct. We want it to be good for you, you see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We want everything to be perfect. <laughs> uh-huh. Again, it's another project that's worth keeping an eye out for. For our final subject, I'd like to take this moment to remember five industry veterans we've lost within this past month. Filmmaker Alan Parker died following a lengthy illness on July 31st at the age of 76. He was the director behind so many movies such as 1976's Bugsy Malone, 1978's Midnight Express, 1980's Fame, 1988's Mississippi Burning, and 1996's Evita. In fact, there was one movie he made in 1994 titled The Road to Wellville that was partially filmed in my current state of residence, North Carolina. A friend of mine even got to be an extra in it. He received two Oscar nominations in his career for directing Midnight Express and Mississippi Burning, and even received an honorary award from the BAFTAs, otherwise known as the British Academy Awards, in 2013. Actor Brent Carver died on August 4th at the age of 68, although no cause of death was given. After having won a Tony Award in 1993 for his Broadway debut as Molina in John Kander and Fred Ebb's stage musical adaptation of Kiss of the Spider Woman, Burns Carver went on to work with director Hal Prince again in 1998 when he played Leo Frank in Jason Roberts Brown and Alfred Urey's biographical musical Parade, which earned him a second Tony nomination. His final Broadway appearance was in 2013 when he played Friar Lawrence in the most recent revival of William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet 
starring Orlando Bloom and Condola Rashad. Lighting designer Hal Binkley died of lung cancer on August 14th at the age of 64. He had received nine Tony Award nominations in his career. First in 1993 for Kiss of the Spider Woman. He was also nominated in 2008 for In the Heights. In 2009 for the Arthur Lawrence Helms revival of West Side Story. 2011 for the most recent Broadway revival of How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, starring Daniel Radcliffe and John LaRoquette. 2014 for After Midnight. 2017 for Come From Away. And 2019 for Ain't Too Proud. His other two nominations resulted in wins for his work on the Broadway productions of Jersey Boys and Hamilton. I myself had the great pleasure of witnessing his work in person through Broadway indoor national touring productions of Jersey Boys, West Side Story, Memphis, Million Dollar Quartet, How to Succeed, Hamilton, Come From Away, and Ain't Too Proud. Animator Joe Ruby died of natural causes on August 26th at the age of 87. After having started out in the in-betweening department at Walt Disney Productions, he went on to work for a short time in live-action television editing before moving to Hanna-Barbera Productions, where he met Ken Spears. The two of them teamed up to become writers for several animated and live-action television programs, both freelance and as on-staff writers. While at Hanna-Barbera, Ruby and Spears both created several shows, most notably Scooby-Doo an animated franchise that has spawned countless iterations over the years since 1969. To this day, Scooby-Doo is one of those cartoon characters who just keeps going and going like the Energizer Bunny. Actor Chadwick Boseman died following a four-year battle of colon cancer on August 28th at the age of 43. He was someone who began his career on television back in 2003 first with a guest spot on Third Watch, then with a recurring role on All My Children. In 2008, Chadwick made his motion picture debut as Floyd Little in The Express, The Ernie Davis Story, but it wasn't until 2013 when he got his first starring role as Jackie Robinson in 42. His following big screen appearances included portrayals of other real-life historical figures like James Brown in 2014's Get On Up and Thurgood Marshall in 2017's Marshall, as well as other movies such as 2014's Draft Day, 2019's 21 Bridges, and The Five Bloods this past summer. However, his most famous role ended up being as Black Panther in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This was very unfortunate timing because on that exact date of August 28, 2020, the Major League Baseball had their on-field celebrations of Jackie Robinson Day as they couldn't have done so back in April due to COVID-19. In any case, Chadwick Boseman does have one more big screen appearance coming up, which is in a film adaptation of August Wilson's Ma Rainey's Black Bottom that will be released on Netflix sometime later this year. My condolences definitely go out to all of their families. So that just about does it for the news of this month. I will be back on October 5th to discuss any bits of entertainment news stories that I found interesting and or important from September. Though until then, I will be providing plenty of coverage of this year's Emmy Awards. If you love this show, please leave us a review. Go to ratesthispodcast.com slash carereviewspodcast and follow the simple instructions. 
Feel free to subscribe to wherever you get this podcast. If you'd like to find more content from me, please visit my website, which is www.carereviews.net. You can also find it on Twitter at carereviews and me at Jeffrey Care. Thanks for listening, and I will see you all later.